Hey, everybody, how's it going? It's been a few weeks as we've been jumping into this whole lockdown and quarantine, and there's so much going on. It's crazy. I don't want to make light of it. It's heavy. There's furloughs. People are hurting. Um, there's health problems. There's loss of life, even. And it's just a crazy world that we live in right now. And it affects us in every single which way. We got kids that are working their schoolwork from home. A lot of us are actually trying to do all of our work from home. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that's going on. I was actually thinking about the other day, I, I had to go to the store because I ran out of Vienna sausage and spam. So I had to go to the store, but I was worried because apparently at the grocery stores now, you got to wear a mask and I didn't have a mask. And I was a little bit worried because I know that if you've been out lately, the people, pretty much everybody's wearing masks, but the people that aren't wearing masks, you're getting judged pretty heavily. I hope you've felt that because like I was scared to go buy my spam and have people with masks on and I can still see your eyes. Like I know you're judging me with your eyes. Like I, I can just tell, right? So luckily my friend hooked me up with a mask just in time. But, but this is crazy, right? That, that where we're at in this world today. And um, I want to bring about this new series that's a really good series that's going to speak to us and kind of hopefully answer some questions on what should we do as Christians? Like, how do we respond to the coronavirus, COVID-19, what's going on? And so this whole series for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about that. Like, how do we as Christians respond? Because we can either go full panic mode, and we can hide away, we can hoard all of our stuff and be freaked out about it. Or we can go the opposite extreme, which is like totally ignore it and disregard it. Both of these are bad. I saw some people like, uh, it was the police commissioner in Hawaii the other day. I saw that news clip. I don't know if you guys saw that, but she was saying how some people have just blatantly disregarded the curfew and the social distancing. She goes, there was a DJ on a rooftop throwing a party and people were just totally ignoring it. And she was like, remember what she said? Shame on you. And I just, I thought that was so funny, but it's true. Because we can either full panic or we can fully ignore it and disregard it. And both of those are wrong. So what are we supposed to do as Christians? And I want to talk about how we can respond to the crisis that we're in right now, the pandemic that we're dealing with. This is real stuff where we live every single day, guys. How do we respond as Christians? Number one, I kind of just, some thoughts of, that I had was that we shouldn't get so alarmed and so freaked out and so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or in the future. Um, I think Jesus said it best when he was teaching in Matthew 5 about, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. And so I believe that there's wisdom in us focusing in the here and now, what's right in front of us every single day, and just dealing with the cares and the concerns of today and trusting our tomorrows for God, to God and how he's going to play that out. Actually, you know, honestly, I think because of God and because of my trust in God, I'm actually happy about tomorrow. I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I feel like God has given me and hopefully all of us as Christians the hope that he's in control of tomorrow. I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm just going to do my best with wisdom in the here and the now and that my tomorrow is actually full of thoughts of, man, when we get to come back together as a church, we're going to be excited. We're going to be excited. We're going to be fired up to be together, to shake hands, to give hugs again, to gather in, in connect groups, to gather in church. Like I've got hope for tomorrow. I believe that there's people that are spiritually seeking right now the big picture and that when we're able to come back to church, they're going to come and they're going to come hungry looking for answers. And I believe that churches worldwide, we have an opportunity. We're going to grow. I'm going to continue believing that Anchor Church, we're building that new building and we're going to fill that building and we're going to do whatever it takes to, to get people into the kingdom. But I've got hopes that our ministry has gotten more creative, 
that we're learning to outreach to people a lot better, and that's not going to stop, that there's a lot of good things in the future. And I just believe that, that we're learning big things. There's a quote that I read about Wolfgang Puck, and I shared it on social media this week, that, that, that great chef and restaurateur, that he said he learned more from the one restaurant that he started that wasn't successful that kind of failed, he learned more from that than all of the restaurants he started that did succeed. And I think in this dark time, we're learning a lot. And our hope for tomorrow with all that we're learning, the creativity is gonna be amazing. We have a great opportunity here today. So here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes or maybe just take a mental note of this is that we will not ignore this current crisis, but that we will also not be afraid. The word for today is that we will not be afraid. In fact, the whole series title is Not Afraid. And to be honest with you guys, I got this from a great message series that I heard from Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church. And I thought it was so appropriate and so good that I said, I want to take that stuff and make it the basis for what I want to talk about in this series as we go. So we're going to hear some good stuff. And again, guys, today the title is How to Not Be Afraid. I believe as Christians, we are told to not conform to the ways of the world, but to set ourselves apart and distinctive that we have a message of hope and courage the world doesn't have. So we're going to live not afraid. So let me share with you guys this quote that I read this week. I was reading this article on on um, what crisis does for us and how it should affect Christians. And as Christians, we are not like the world. But listen to this quote I read from this guy named Jack Kinder. He said, you're not made in a crisis, you're revealed in a crisis. When you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. When you squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. When a human being gets squeezed, you get what is inside, either positive or negative. And I believe that in times of crisis, it's time for God to reveal what's in us, which is his Holy Spirit, which is his love for the world, which is his hope and his courage in him that's gonna come, come out of us into this world that's in darkness around us. So let's talk about three different areas where I, I feel that we can, as Christians, look a little bit different from the way the rest of the world is responding to crisis. And number one, the first thing that we need to do as Christians is just real simple is we choose faith, not fear. Right? You've been hearing a lot of people say that, but I believe there's, there's, there's substance to that, is that we as Christians, followers of Jesus, we choose faith and not to give in to fear around us. In John 14, it's a famous chapter where Jesus is kind of preparing his disciples for what's about to happen. He was having the last supper. He was trying to let them know that he wasn't going to be around. They were trying to understand what is he talking about when he's talking about his own death and resurrection. They didn't quite get it until after it had all happened, the resurrection came about. But he was preparing them because he was saying he's going to have to leave them. And so they're, they're discouraged, they're down, they're, they're confused in, in a kind of a similar time like us right now dealing with this virus. And so Jesus says this in John 14, verse 1. He says, don't worry or surrender to your fear for you've believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. And I think he's just trying to get our eyes off of the fear again and back onto belief and faith in the father and faith in him. Listen to this quote that I read by Charles Spurgeon. He said, God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. I just love that. He's saying, just believe in me. Like, even if it doesn't make sense is, is I wrote this down for myself is that I can't put my faith in crisis or in chaos or even in Carl is that I want my faith to always be found in Christ. 
And that's what Jesus is saying here is, you believed in God, now believe in me. John 14, 27, a few verses down, the same chapter, Jesus says, I leave the gift of, of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Man, I can give you peace, he's saying. Put your faith in me, and it doesn't look anything like what the world can promise, but it's from me that you can find courage in me. He's reminding us that in the midst of this crisis, remember this, God is not surprised by this crisis. He's not surprised by this virus. He saw this thing coming. He knows how it's all gonna end. He knows how we're gonna get through this thing and and go on to live and to preach and to love and to, to breathe another day. And sometimes we're so caught up in the the darkness right now that we can't see out of it. But Jesus is reminding us, let's just choose in our hearts that we're going to have faith regardless of what we see and not give in to fear. God's in control. He's got a plan for our lives. He's still working in the midst of your mess. Man, he's still working. He's still doing something really good. There's a song that I love to sing, and it's, it's by Bethel Music, and it's called Goodness of God. We sing it all the time around here. I love that song. But one of the lines is this is that all my life, God, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. Just simply, it's a reminder to me that my faith is in God. I've been through hard stuff before. I'm in a hard time right now, but I'm gonna get through this. Why? Because my God is faithful. Because he's always been so, so good to me. Because God is bigger than my problems. So I'm gonna keep my faith in him, not in what I can see. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, it says, that God will never give you the spirit of fear. Anytime you feel fear, you can immediately rebuke that thought in your mind, in your heart. That's not from God. That's not him. Oh, God's trying to warn me. God's doing that. No, whenever there is the word fear, God is going, that is not from me. It says, God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Is that we need to be a people that choose to have faith and not fear. Because I can't see what happens tomorrow, but I realize that my God is enough for today. I choose faith over fear. Here's the second thing that we choose as Christians is that we choose to serve and to not be selfish. We choose to serve, to be sacrificial, to share, to give, and to not be people that you see on the news that are hoarding the toilet paper, they're hoarding the beans and rice and the cans of spam and the, you know, the hand sanitizer and all of this stuff. Is that We're gonna choose to look different from the world. That we're gonna, in times of crisis and trials, we're gonna serve even better. We're gonna, we're gonna choose to serve and to not be selfish. And here's a good verse that Paul writes in Philippians chapter two, verse three and four. He just says it directly. He starts it off by saying this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I think serving people in times like this Serving shows our family resemblance. You ever been told by someone, they're like, oh, you know, Carl, when you, when you look like that and you say those certain things, oh, you look just like your dad. Or man, you, just, you look just like your mom. Or sometimes we say that about our own kids, you know, like, oh man, I see the family resemblance. Oh yeah, in my case, like, oh, I can see how, how Sammy looks just like you, those eyebrows, Pastor Carl, we see that in her. And I think that when we're serving, we look most like Jesus. Because remember what Jesus said? Is I, I came to serve and not to be served. And that Jesus basically said, everything I do, I'm only doing what my father tells me. So Jesus, the son, man, he had a strong family resemblance to his father who loved us so much that he gave 
that he served by giving his only son. And Jesus said, hey, I, I came to do the same thing. I'm just like my dad. I came to serve and not to be served. And when we serve other people and not be selfish, the family resemblance starts to show in our lives. People can see Jesus in us. In fact, I've been driving around for like a week now. Um, a few weeks ago, we gave away these bags to every member of our, our church before we got into online services and we couldn't meet together. We gave this little bag called the My, uh, what's it called? With Aloha. And we were supposed to fill it up with anything we could to bless someone else's life and give it away. And I've been driving around for like a week or more now because God put this one homeless woman on my heart. And he said, fill a bag with food and supplies and give it to her. But then she disappeared. I don't know if it's because of social distancing, where she normally hung out at, the park got closed down. But I'm driving around with faith going, I got to accomplish my mission. God wants me to serve and I'm going to find that lady. I'm going to bless her. Is that I want to be someone in the midst of crisis and trial. Man, I'm ready to serve and to not be selfish. Let me give you guys a good passage in the New Testament, Acts chapter two. This is the early church when they got started. Jesus had, had died already. He had ascended back into heaven and he said, here's how you go do church. Here's how you love the world. In Acts chapter two, the early church, all the believers in the beginning in Jerusalem um, it, it describes what they look like, which is a good model for us. And it says in Acts 2, 44 to 47, all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. So times are a little bit different. We can't all meet in one place. But it says, here's the key. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. We can't worship in the same place, right? Because of social distancing. But here's the thing. Is it that we can still text we can still call. We can still email people. We can still Zoom meeting together, FaceTime with people. We can still, even old school, we can write letters and cards. I got a letter from someone the other day, my own sister in California. She, we usually just text and email and all this, but she took the time to give me a card on Easter just to tell me how much she loves me, her and her husband, Travis, how much they love me. That blessed my heart so much. And here's what it says that this early church was modeling, we're going to serve and not be selfish. We're going to give ourselves away. And sure, she couldn't meet with me in the same place, but in today's day and age, we have so many ways that we can serve and we can bless and we can give love and compliments to people. And it says, they, met, they worshiped at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared, again, that word share, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And as a result of their serving and sharing, I said, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The early church was under way worse persecution than we are right now. They basically could choose faith in Jesus Christ and they could be put to death because of that. Worse than a virus is they could literally lose their life for sharing their faith. But you know what they chose? Oh, we're going to share anyway. We're going to serve anyway. We're going to be Jesus to this world around us. Um, let me give you guys a couple of examples that I think are really cool. This past week, we started something in Anchor Church. Pastor Jody and Corbin and a few of the gang, the Dream Team, they just started up a new outreach ministry where they were going to be getting donations, packing all these bags full of food and supplies, toilet paper, food, just different resources. And they organized it through um, kind of a shout out through all of our connect group leaders and said, if you know anybody in need, tell them to do a drive-through on these days at these hours, come up to church and they can get themselves a bag. They were able to, to load up over a hundred people, families with resources and food and supplies. And some people there, because of the whole masks and everything, they just stood outside their, their cars, windows up, and they just prayed really loud and yelled into the, the cars, car doors and just prayed for people. But they were able to bless lives. And they said, yeah, in the time of, of hurt and heartache, 
we're gonna be a people, because we follow Jesus, we're gonna serve, we're not gonna be selfish. And I love that story. And they said, just wait, Pastor Carl, we're only getting started now. Yeah, we did just a little over 100 families this past week, but watch what we have plans for, because we're Christians, we follow Jesus. We're servants, we're not selfish. And then here's the other thing, is I was through Anchor Church, but I'm hearing individual stories, individual stories, like this one that I heard of, Someone in our church giving generously. Uh, his name, it's a friend of mine. His name is Puna. He's the owner of Jerky Labs, a, a beef jerky uh, company that makes beef jerky. And here's, here's a story that I heard the other day. I saw it on social media. Is that he had a whole bunch of extra ham left over after making jerky. He had all of this ham that was left over. He didn't know what to do with it. So he contacted some other people in the, the community and they came up with a really good idea what to do with it. They ended up getting a bunch of people together, last minute, late notice, they made over 200 sandwiches and made these little meals to feed the healthcare workers at Castle Hospital to actually reward the guys that are on the front lines, the first responders, the ones that are our real heroes right now that we need to be applauding and praying for and blessing. And they were able to do this thing scrambled. We got some ham available. He could have sold it. He just said, nah, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm here to serve and to not be selfish. So here's a good word in season, hopefully for you guys. Number one is that we choose faith, not fear. Number two is we choose, choose to serve and not be selfish. And here's the third thing. I think it's pretty powerful. Is we choose to shine and not to hide. We choose to shine and not hide. Matthew 5, 14, Jesus speaking to us. He's speaking to Christians everywhere. And he says, you're the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So he says, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And there's another place in scripture in John 8 where Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. So basically what he's asking of us in these dark times and the world's in a dark place is that the darker the world gets, the brighter that Christians need to be shining. Because the light that we have in us that's the light of the world is actually the light of Jesus Christ. So what it's basically telling me and you is, that we better be talking about Jesus. We better be sharing our faith. We better be praying for people. We better be pointing people to Jesus through our good works, through our words, if necessary, in any way that we possibly can. That those that are stuck in the darkness right now, and the world is pretty dark right now. It's pretty grim. There's a lot going on. But those that are stuck in the darkness are gonna be attracted to the light of Jesus Christ that they see in us. That the love that we have for other people, the joy that we have that they don't understand, how can you have joy right now? Like you just got furloughed. The peace that we have in the midst of going, yeah, my kids are all home and they're not really schooling and we're all freaking out and they're stressed, but somehow I have peace that comes from the light of Jesus Christ. That those who are in the darkness are gonna be attracted to that in our lives. They'll be drawn to the light. There's three incredible things that happen that the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians. Three incredible things that happen when we share our faith and we shine our light to other people. Number one is just this, is that lost people get found. And that is a reason to rejoice. In 1 Corinthians 9.22, it says, so that by all possible means, I might save some. That people that are out there that are blind, they're lost, no purpose in life. They don't know what the meaning of life is. They, they're scared. They get hit with coronavirus. They could die. They don't know what's going on. Is that one of the things that happens when we shine our light is that lost people get found. We exist as a church, Anchor Church and the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide. Great commission stuff here, guys. Our whole job is to go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, of all men teaching them to obey what the Father has told us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, moving people to Jesus. Man, when we shine our light brighter, lost people 
get found. A lot of us, man, we used to be lost. And we know that feeling. And we know how lame that is and how, how confusing that is. But then we found Jesus. And Jesus found us. And the light went on. And eternity changed forever. So three, three blessings that happen when we shine for Jesus. Lost people get found. Secondly, our faith gets fired up. 1 Corinthians 9, 23, the next verse, Paul says, I do all this for the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Man, my faith gets fired up when I'm shining brighter for Jesus. I got to talk to someone this week and just encourage them. They're in another state. I FaceTimed with them. I encouraged them in the Lord. I saw the light go on. They're fired up. They're choosing Jesus, drawing the line in the sand. They're saying, I'm going for it. Thanks, Pastor Carl. I'm going to do this thing. And I said, write down the date that this happened, this is the day that you drew a line in the sand that said, you're gonna follow Jesus hardcore 100%. And he just thanked me for that and it fired him up. But you know what it did for me? It's like Paul says, that I get to share in the blessings. It fired up my faith. I wanna shine my light even brighter because I saw the light go on for someone else. Thank you, Jesus. The third thing that happens is that God is proud of me. Lost people get found, our faith gets fired up, but I understand that God is proud of me when I shine the light for Jesus. In verse 27, that same chapter, it says, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. That my God is going, Carl, good job. You start to look like me, family resemblance. You're looking like a Christian. You got the light of the world in you, but you're giving it to other people. I'm gonna reward that. You will not be disqualified. So we choose to shine and not to hide. Listen, I started off the sermon by saying this. We will not ignore the crisis, but we will also not be afraid. Let me tell you guys a really cool story that I, I heard about this week. I read it. It was a reminder. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, Apollo 13. It was about the spacecraft that was on its way to do a moon landing mission in 1970. And um, what happened was the spacecraft, the Apollo 13 spacecraft, was damaged early on in the flight, and they had to abort the mission to land on the moon. But because of the damage... Um, they weren't exactly sure if they were going to be able to successfully bring home the three-man crew and land them back safely on Earth. Three people's lives were on the line. It was a scary thing. You guys may have seen the movie or read about it. But they were running low on oxygen um, and on battery power. The flight crew, the three men on board, were scared, and they were awaiting instructions from NASA. NASA's ground crew, led by this veteran flight director on the ground here, named Gene Krantz. He was scrambling for solutions with all of his crew. And things were looking really sketchy. Tension was mounting. But as the spaceship neared its critical re-entry moment, listen to this. One of the senior leaders on the ground in NASA said, this could be the worst disaster that NASA has ever seen. And at that exact moment, this chief director, Gene Krantz, he just said, with all due respect, sir, I believe that this will be our finest hour. And needless to say, the crew made it home safely. And years later, Jim Lovell, Lavelle, which was the, the captain of that crew, years later, he looked back and he said, and that was our finest hour. And I just want to pose this question to you. Years from now, what are you going to say about this time and how you reacted and how you responded? What are other people going to say about you the Christian that you are in the church and how do we respond? Well, I, I hope that they could say or we could say about ourselves is we chose faith over fear. We chose to serve people over being selfish and we chose to shine brightly for Jesus. Basically, church, I'm saying in this time and in this series is that we have hope and we have joy 
that the world doesn't understand. We have peace that comes from some other place. It's a peace that wells up within us from the Holy Spirit. And we are going to choose to live not afraid. Let me pray with you. Lord, we thank you for that word today. Lord, we thank you for the ability that you give us because of your Holy Spirit in us. We can choose to have faith over fear. That we as Christians know that our job is to live not afraid. And Lord, that we're to shine that light in the darkness around us. We're to serve gladly, Father God. And and that you call us also to choose that faith and not to have fear. So Lord, I pray that you would instill that within us this week. Lord, that you would just give us courage. You would encourage us. I love that that word means to put courage into. So Holy Spirit, would you right now put courage into our hearts, into our minds, into our homes, into our our workspaces, into the lives of our kids and our neighbors and peoples around us. Lord, Lord, I pray that we would shine brightly for you and we would live not afraid. And Lord, I pray right now for anybody that might be listening into this message today and praying along with me, but maybe you've never made a commitment to Jesus before. Maybe you don't know for sure if you're in the family of God, but you want to be. It sounds good. You want the ability to, to have those feelings rise up within you where you're unafraid, where you have courage and you have hope, where other people find, find worry and doubt and darkness. And if you're sitting here right now within the sound of my voice, wherever you may be, and you're saying, I want to make that decision in my heart. I want to live courageously. I'm tired of living in fear. I want to choose God. I want to know that he's in my life, that he's got my back and that he loves me. He's not here to judge me and make me feel bad about myself. He's actually here to do something really good, something really special, something really cool with my life. And if that's you right now and I'm speaking to you, man, nobody sitting around you or wherever you're watching from even needs to know this, but I want to say a prayer with you right now. And that you would pray this prayer with the words that I say to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. That after you say amen to this prayer, that you will have started a new relationship that at last for eternity with God the Father who created you, his son Jesus that loved you enough to, to take the hit so you don't have to. He died on that cross for your sake to forgive you of sin and also with his Holy Spirit that can begin to live in your life and to change you, to fill you with courage and peace and love for other people around you. And if you would like to say this prayer with me, I'm just gonna ask you right now that you'd pray this in your heart, wherever you're at. You don't have to pray it out loud, but you just make this a prayer of your heart. As I lead you with the words out loud, you make them your words to God. And it just goes like this. God, I'm here today and I'm hearing this message, Lord, and I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of being doubtful and being held back. I wanna know that there's something bigger and better for my life, Lord, that you have for me. And Lord, I wanna, from this day forward, trust in your plans for my my life and not myself. I believe that your son Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago to die on that cross to pay the price for my sin and my separation and my guilt and my shame, my baggage, my bondage, my issues. Lord, all that stuff that keeps me separated from you, God. I believe that Jesus died to pay the price. He rose from the dead to prove that he had power over death and my sin and my guilt and my shame. So Lord, right now, all I have to do is say yes to all that you have for me. I receive your message of forgiveness and your new life and the good things you have in store for me. You're not here to make me feel bad and to judge me and to put me down. You're here to bring new life and to fix what's broken in my life. So Lord, I I receive that free gift of salvation. From here on out, I'm gonna live for you. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for what you're about to do in my life. And Lord, carry us through this heavy time of crisis unafraid. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.